Welcome to Soft Strength. My name is Aisha Fakhro, and together we'll explore conversations around humanity, holistic wellness, and mental health to expand our perceptions and the way we experience the world. Okay, this is a quick and brief bonus uh, solo episode this week. I want to start by saying thank you so much to everyone for all the support that you've given to this podcast. Thank you to everyone who's shared it. Thank you to everyone who has been listening, who gave us iTunes ratings. It really does help people find the podcast. Um, And yeah, just thank you for all the love. I've honestly been blown away by everybody's support and kindness. So a huge, 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 massive thank you to everyone. Um, The plan is to do an episode every other week that just keeps it sustainable for me and my work schedule but I figured since I'm excited and you guys seem to be excited and I'm excited that you're excited that we do a bonus episode this week so this is going to be a really brief one around the idea of fine-tuning our definition of empathy And this was inspired by a question I've been asked a lot recently, and I've had this conversation with clients, with friends, and it seems like we've kind of mixed up the way we look at empathy. So the question was, how do you do it? As a therapist, how do you sit with people in the depths of their pain, listen to the most challenging experiences they have to navigate, and not be overwhelmed by that, not lose yourself in the process, not absorb that pain and carry it with you? And I think it's really important to understand, first of all, that we are social creatures. We do get affected by the states of the people around us. It's a very natural thing. And we'll actually talk about this in next week's episode with my guest as well. It's a very natural thing when you're with someone to be affected by what they're going through. We are human. And we do have neurons in our brain called mirror neurons that detect what's going on in the people around us and mirror that within ourselves to enable us to understand what it is that they're experiencing. So that's totally natural. Now, where we get kind of lost along the way is in our confusion of black and white thinking of you either care or you don't. And if you care, it's at an extreme. And if you are not at that extreme, then you don't care. So one way to think of this in, in, in a field called interpersonal neurobiology, they call this um, the process of integration. They think of integration as a key and critical sort of ingredient for our holistic well-being. So integration is made up of two components. One is linkage or connection, and the other one is differentiation and, and kind of like having a, a sense of separation. So... When we have one without the other, we're not in a state of complete integration. The analogy that my teacher uses is it's like thinking of a fruit salad versus a smoothie. Like in a smoothie, you've just blended everything together, that there is no distinction between the different parts that make up the whole. Whereas in the fruit salad, there is a distinction of, you know, this is the apple, this is the whatever. And it's, they are parts of a complete thing. And yet they do have their special distinctive 
separate properties. Now, the yogis won't like me talking about this because yogis are all about, you know, oh, we're all one and there is no separation and everything is a whole. But when you look at what the neuroscientists and the psychologists are finding through the latest research they've been doing, it always comes back to, yes, we are very intricately connected, but there is also a separation that is important to acknowledge and a separation in the way we experience the world. Like, yes, you and I are connected, but you and I are not the same person going through the same subjective experiences. So understanding that, we can look at how when, because a lot of people who asked me this question said, you know, we feel like we'd never be able to do this kind of work because we'd be too overwhelmed by it. It would affect us too much. And when we say that, there's a loss of differentiation there, and which is very common. It's when we make other people's pain our own. And we do that I think we do that because we've been conditioned to believe that the more we carry people's pain, the more we care, the kinder we are, the the more compassionate and empathic we are. And I want to just flip that over its head because the reality is, yes, people thrive on being seen and felt and heard but the minute we make their pain our own the minute we wear their pain as if it were our own we're kind of subconsciously and and unintentionally making their pain ours which becomes without us intending it to be a self-absorbed thing like it we've turned it into something about us because now we're in pain and we're dedicating energy and resources to managing the pain we're in that we're actually not completely there for them. We're no longer completely seeing and feeling and hearing them because we've brought ourselves into the process. And the last thing people need when they reach out for support is for someone to make the situation about them. Again, we don't do this overtly. It's not very intentional, but it's really helpful to be aware of and examine our habitual tendencies because this is usually an automatic process that happens. And obviously, if this is your job and you're you're considering entering the world of therapy, or even if you're going to be a teacher, and, and especially if you're going to be in a field like yoga, where there is an element of care and support that you offer through your teaching, it's really helpful to understand that that pain is not yours. And we talked about this in last week's episode as well. It's a continuous active removing of yourself from the process and out of the way so that you can truly be completely there for the person. Now, what that creates is an expanded container and ability to hold space for others. And this is really what we truly need. Again, regardless of whether you're thinking about this in the context of friendships or supporting family and loved ones or whether you want to do this for a living, the skill that we all universally could use more of is an expanded ability to hold space for others. And when we don't have that ability, we kind of flip into one of two extremes. We're either the person who goes, I'm not interested, I don't want to hear about it, I don't care. And I don't care in and of itself is a very reactive statement. So when we say I don't mind, there's something very neutral and like 
equanimous is that the word equanimity based um reaction where i don't mind is just you know if it's this or if it's that i'm okay with either but when we say i don't care there's something very like charged and reactive and defensive about that statement Uh, and i'm hoping some of you will disagree with this and and reach out and let me know what you think but i find that every time i hear someone say the word i don't care there's a caring underneath that that they're trying to bypass which I find very interesting. So one way is for us to defensively sort of shut down and disconnect. And then on the flip side, you have the empaths, which like we talked about before, they do open themselves up to people's pain, but they often over-internalize it and become overwhelmed by it. And it's really, really important for empaths to remember other people's pain is not your own. And you recognizing that will in no way make you any less kind or any less caring. In fact, you'll be more supportive and you'll find that you have the capacity to care more deeply when you're not overwhelmed by other people's pain. So reminding yourself of the smoothie versus fruit salad analogy and also making sure you have a solid connection with yourself and within yourself to know what fills your own cup and to make sure you give yourself enough support when you're supporting others. We as therapists have our own therapists and we go to supervision and we create our own toolkit so for me I know I love massage therapy and exercise as a way to just shake things out of my system when I'm overwhelmed if you really really struggle to separate yourself from the other and what the others are going through sometimes therapy can be a really helpful modality and sometimes you can reflect on that yourself so here's the thing about our, the way our brains work our brain is an organ of survival Everything we do and every response that our brain creates is in some way, shape or form geared towards our survival, Um, which is why empaths have often had difficult childhoods where they and this isn't always the case, but it's it's common for empaths to have gone through a really challenging childhood where they needed to have a deep sensitivity to their surroundings and the people around them in order for them to be able to adapt and manage and stay safe. It can be really powerful as an adult to remind yourself that you're not in that survival-based situation anymore, that you are safe, that you internalizing other people's issues is not a requirement for you to stay safe. Sometimes just that realization can be a big revelation for some. And again, if it's more deep-seated than that, then it helps to explore it with a qualified professional. And I want to end by saying, I think the most powerful thing we can have to support not just others, but really ourselves, which is the foundation for having the capacity to hold space for others, is to have a sense of affect tolerance. And and affect refers to the feelings and the states and the experiences we go through. And so we'll actually touch on emotional phobia next week as well. But understanding that Emotions don't last. In fact, the lifespan of an emotion is 90 seconds. And the only reason that challenging emotional states last longer than that is because normally when we feel the physiological sensations of that challenging emotion or experience, we start to create a story about it in our head. There's a commentary that goes on. We add some kind of positive or negative charge on top of it. And we just create a feedback loop that continuously feeds that state. Whereas if we were to look at it from a biological perspective, that wave of emotion takes a maximum of 90 seconds to sort of like filtrate through your body and just pass through and be completely gone. And so understanding that and and working on exploring and addressing 
any roots we might have towards emotional phobia. And we'll talk about embodiment a lot because it's my favorite topic on the whole planet and it's it's my job and it's what I do. But learning to really vividly inhabit our bodies and learn to em- embody these different states and navigate them more skillfully so that you're no longer overwhelmed by thoughts and emotion and life experiences, but rather able to sort of surf and ride the waves and therefore do that when you're supporting people you care about in their challenges. I hope that's helpful. I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's a very interesting challenge to keep the conversation dynamic when it's just me having a monologue with myself. But I do hope that this was helpful. I'd love to hear how it goes for you and what your thoughts are. And I look forward to sharing next week's episode with you, a whole new guest, a whole new conversation. Until then, have a lovely week ahead.